It's shocking to me how important work is and yet how broken finding the right job can be. Everyone's had a bad experience. Trawling through irrelevant job ads, not knowing the salary, applying and then never hearing back. And for managers, wading through irrelevant applications or sending hundreds of LinkedIn emails, hoping for a response. But it doesn't have to be this way. Otter matches the right people with the right jobs at all the most exciting companies. It was founded to make finding a great job less soul-crushing. I use Otter when I'm hiring at Heights, and honestly, I love it. Candidates simply answer a few questions about what they're looking for, and Otter serves up only relevant jobs that match their skills and preferences. This smart matching means companies receive more relevant applications, helping them find the very best people much faster than before. So, if you're looking for the right job, or you'd like to hire smarter, check out otter.com forward slash secret leaders. That's O-T-T-A dot com forward slash secret leaders. So I was completely self-taught up to that point. I remember the first time I literally Googled, what do I do if my business is fucked? Because I didn't know. I didn't even know there was a process to deal with that in terms of legally, because I'd never been exposed to that. And, you know, They probably don't even teach you this at fucking London Business School. You got an MBA. I think this was a real life MBA in many ways. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield entrepreneurship. That's Matt Kelly, who experienced one of the fastest rises and falls with a bootstrap business we've ever seen. He grew Neon Beach, a direct-to-consumer neon sign brand, to £7 million in revenue in a year. He got to £10 million in 18 months from his bedroom in lockdown. Basically, just him, his laptop and freelancers. But then he made one big mistake which cost him more than his business. So, what the hell happened? Matt started Neon Beach as a side project. He wanted a neon sign himself, and, having gone through the pain of getting one, thought there might be a market for it. He'd already founded several businesses, whipped up the brand in a few hours, filmed ads from his bedroom, and started putting some budget behind them. It exploded. He was very good at getting something from zero to one. But this was a whole other level. Yeah, I was selling like 5,000 signs a month at probably peak at like £300 each. So yeah, massive, massive revenue, like purely driven by Google and Instagram ads. So I was spending like half a million quid a month on Instagram. Um, and it was just me and all these freelancers. It worked until it didn't work. And I'll explain why it didn't work eventually. It was actually going quite smoothly. I mean, there was quite a lot of competitors coming into the space because they probably saw my brand. I was definitely the first one doing it like big time on Instagram. I got approached by Universal Music. They wanted to do a collaboration for like some Billie Eilish tour merch. But then that, that all got paused because of COVID. But I was getting very excited at this point. Ended up doing a collaboration with ITV's Love Island. So we did all the signs in their Vegas villa for the American version. They had a primetime TV campaign slot, TV ad slot in October and November of 2020, um, which is just when things started going very wrong. Now, we know things didn't work out, but at the time, Matt saw an opportunity. Of course he did. His bootstrap company, where he was the sole shareholder, was growing like the clappers. Private equity firms were telling him they'd never seen anything like it, that he was on his way to a £300 million business. At this point, all the production was in China, and Matt made a decision that proved fatal thinking, oh, I want to take this business to the next level. We've got an incredible foundation so quickly. Um, let's bring all the production from China to the UK, make it 
effectively in-house thinking this is like the next step all our competitors are still doing china the ones that still exist by the way um are still doing china for in hindsight what is a more logical reason anyway i ended up paying this factory like 600 grand up front didn't do much due diligence only met the guy once didn't really just thought oh this will be fine because it's the uk it's obviously going to be way better than china when in hindsight, they just didn't have the facility. Their B2B business had gone to shit because of COVID and they were probably, you know, just desperate to get someone to pay them some money, which I obviously did rather naively. Anyway, long story short, this is like Q4 2020. So the scale is insane. We've got a primetime TV campaign with Love Island, like I said. Just a lot of eyeballs on the brand. Like we were doing like over a million visitors a month, had half a million Instagram followers at peak, which had just grown completely from paid ads. And yeah, it's just me in a fucking kitchen, basically, while running my other business as well. So anyway, long story short, um, yeah, that factory ended up going bankrupt, basically, and couldn't fulfill anything. So give or take three million quids worth of orders suddenly didn't get fulfilled, although I had paid for them and we'd done all the design work. We'd fulfilled our part of the process, really. But obviously when you're a customer facing brand, people people don't go and look at the, the supplier because they're invisible in all this. The proverbial shit hit the fan. Very quickly, you know, bad reviews. Trustpilot got absolutely fucked. I'm talking like 5,000 one-star reviews in like two months, which is a lot. A shitload of chargebacks, you know, Stripe holding all our money because chargebacks have gone to like 25%, which is absolutely ridiculous. It was a complete disaster. The company went from a seven-figure balance sheet to insolvent in four months. Customers were livid, and Matt saw the dark side of entrepreneurship. This is probably bringing about loads of PTSD, but I'm maybe more slightly over it now, nearly two years later. Yeah, I remember getting a call from my parents saying a reporter had been to their house, which is in York, by the way. I'm from York originally up north. I live in London now, so 250 miles away. And they said, what the fuck's going on? There's people looking for you i don't know if that was a customer or report or whatever it was, it was but that was like the start of the shitstorm so a, a relatively small percentage were affected compared to everything else that had been fine but when you, you know when people spend it 300 quid they're particularly vocal about something going wrong as would i be by the way and then then my phone number and address got shared online by some angry customer with hundreds of thousands of followers which to this day i can't understand why someone would do that I mean, obviously, they didn't know the facts and they were a very angry person. But I also remember, actually, it's quite funny now, Amanda Holden also shared something. And she's someone with 3 million followers. That didn't help. And also, in the same time period, your phone number and address has been shared. So I had to get a new phone. I actually moved address about a month later as well. I mean, nothing would have probably come out eventually, but you don't, you don't feel particularly comfortable when you are literally getting reporters at your door at half 10 at night looking to write a story on you being a scam artist, you know, looking for comment. Um, so yeah, that's pretty rough because I was more concerned that reputational damage as well as the business being fucked. But obviously no one knew the actual facts of the situation other than me really and people around me. It was a devastating cocktail of online hate and financial problems. But Matt had made another mistake along the way, which would cost him dearly. Remember, at the beginning, this was just a side project, so he hadn't set up a new company for it. This meant both his neon sign brand and jewellery brand were housed in the same company. The contagion from one affected the other, so the whole company was, as Matt would say, fucked. 
The brands got bought, showing, of course, it wasn't a scam, and Matt licked his wounds. I reckon even to this day, that experience altered my personality. I honestly do. I used to think I was invincible and... I mean, kind of rightly so, because I built up self-made over the previous years. Well, that's not like I came from money or anything. No one had ever given me anything. I'd worked in a burger bar and built up a business to a point where I had a business and then started a new one and built up a skill set. And I guess had some of the fruits of that, like living in a nice place, had a nice car, all this shit, whatever. Um, which didn't help, by the way, when people are trying to profile you as a scam artist. So maybe my views on material things have altered since then. Um and yeah, I then ended up working for six months as an employee of my own business, basically, which was incredibly difficult. But it was kind of a blur looking back. I ended up putting on loads of weight, breaking up with my ex-girlfriend, which, by the way, was the best thing I ever did in hindsight. But yeah, it was like kind of two rock bottoms, I guess. Like when the business went fucked was kind of one point. But then six months later, I decided to leave that business. You know, I could have stayed on a nice salary and just worked with them on other stuff because I've become friends with the people there and they obviously saw my abilities. I'm still friends with one of them who's now the biggest investor in my latest thing. But yeah, so like September 2021, 20, I'd probably say was maybe the most difficult part because I'd left that situation entirely, got a bit of money for my equity, which by the way was nothing compared to what I thought I might have got a year or two prior. Um, but again, it was the best of a shit situation. I then went back to the drawing board and started working on my current business which by the way I think is a much better business and is already growing very quick not quite as quick as the previous one but that might be intentional. Four. Matt has been through the ringer. He wonders what could have been if he'd chosen a different factory where might he be now. He was pushed right to the limit and it took him a while to recover his confidence but he says he'd rather be dead than not doing his own thing which I love and to be fair he's smashing it with his new business Space Goods a mushrooms and psychedelics brand. So, what did he learn from his failure that we can all learn from? Things ultimately get fixed with time, as long as you take action to fix them. Because at the time, I probably thought, this is my life now, this is never going to change. Whereas looking back, nearly two years later, I've since started a new business, which didn't exist you know, at that time. And just got to focus on doing what you can day to day, and eventually days add up. And it's very cliche, but it's true, because all you can do is control what's in front of you. So at the time, I was like, right, let's do what I can. Let's get on these difficult phone calls with lawyers or whatever it was. Um, let's try and ignore all the fucking social media hates. That's not doing much. And yeah, eventually things get solved, don't they? It's kind of the same if you're like going through a breakup or whatever, which I end up doing at the same time, which probably added insult to injury at the time but now I don't give a, I don't care about that at all do I have probably moved on to the next heartbreak in terms of actual business stuff I think probably the most profound one was I never want to be the only shareholder ever again so while I'm still a solo founder I raised money off angel investors in my new business and have been very intentionally surrounded myself with wisdom from day one in the new business and that has been invaluable and that's probably just an element of maturity Whereas in the past, thinking, oh, you know, I have to own everything. I want to, I want it to be mine. And when I'm still a solo founder, it's just, it's different because I have advice and I feel like I'm not going through the issues alone, even if I'm still ultimately responsible. I think the other more practical one is just, well, I'd probably say don't run a fucking neon sign business because the supply chain is horrendous. But more generally, I just think don't grow just because you can. You should probably grow at a slightly more sustainable rate, which I'm very much intentionally doing now. Because bigger isn't all, isn't always better. Certainly not when you're building on relatively flimsy foundations, which in hindsight that business had. You know, I didn't have a 
proper team really it was fully outsourced to a different time zone and yeah I just saw something working on Instagram and just added another zero to the budget and while that works in the short term it presents risks you know granted if that factory had never gone fucked then I'm sure it would have had growing pains but maybe not to that extent but now I'm very conscious of could we actually handle if we tripled this month for example probably not so just trying to be more sustainable in my approach and realizing that things that take longer to build usually last longer Matt Kelly, who says that whilst you can lose money, you don't lose experience. And after going through that experience, nothing can stress him out now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you like this episode, hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a massive difference to us and might take you just a few seconds yourself. See you next time. Hold up. Before you go, I want to play you a clip of the new true crime show we've just released. Hope you enjoy. In a country run by billionaires and triads, one gangster decides to go it alone. To have a guy like that with bombs and AK-47s and putting billionaires' sons in boxes is, is scary. And his actions provoke a geopolitical crisis that leaves Hong Kong in pieces. From Kindling Media and Vespucci, this is Bad Money. Season one, Big Spender. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips, and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.